Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. All right, I'm trying to work out here just how many goals does Robbie Keane need to score against Oman to walk away from international football <laughs> with a record of a goal every two games. Owen Murphy and Kane here at the Irish Times. Hello there, podcast. Owen. Yeah, how are you? So he's played 145 games yes. and scored 67 goals. Yes. Which means he'll finish on 146 games after playing against Oman. Which means he needs to get 73 goals, Owen. So all we're asking for is a double hat-trick, a six-goal salvo. Mm. That's all. How many penalties can we, can we win against Oman? Uh, forget about winning. Well, maybe winning penalties would help, but come on. Um, Surely Oman don't need to be told what they need to do here, do they? <laughs> I think we... You know, no one's going to say anything. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's just, just... It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, how big an actual deal is... You know, I mean, if he was on 97 goals, international goals, I don't think we'd have to tell old man yeah, I don't know if what the situation is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if any of them would sit down and say, right, is this one in every two record really that big of a deal? <laughs> I would like to categorically state that there's nothing untoward about old man's approach to this game, by the way. Of course not. Just a lighthearted gag to start the show with, Ken. <laughs> what about Robbie's statement? I thought it was very nice. Very detailed. Thanked a lot of people. McCarthy, all the managers, up to Martin Roy, the FAI's teammates, the fans. He was very gushing about the fans. He mentions his parents and families, his uncle, who taught Noel Byrne, who told him to be a striker. What position was he before he was a striker? I'm not even sure. Um, but whatever position it was, maybe we, maybe we missed out on I'd a good holding he, midfielder. I'd uh, say he probably uh, was playing in a free roll. Free roll, Just maybe. Knowing what I know about Robbie Keane, you wouldn't imagine the young Robbie Keane was tethered down. To I a wouldn't say position. he was, uh, you know, a, wife, a Mascherano type. Let's yeah. say thank the wife and kids and everything as well. So it was, no, it was uh, it was nice. Yeah, uh, no, that's lovely. I mean, we have played our man twice before. Yeah, uh, an aggregate score of six goals to one. I mean, we played them a lot recently. It's a, it's a real uh, romance we're having with our man. Mm. Um, from 2014 and 2012 but I don't think Robbie Keane has actually scored against them yet um, So six goals is a bit much you're telling me uh, even for Robbie Keane a hat-trick would be nice though Well <laughs> get him up to 70 that'd be sign nice Sign off for the hat-trick yeah. um, No the guy who keeps scoring against Oman is um, Alex Pierce. Um, Alex Pierce has scored both times we've played Oman as is Kevin Doyle Right 
So uh, Robbie Keane yet to feature on that score sheet, but I'm sure um, this time around there's, there's every chance. What's your reaction to Robbie's international retirement? Well, we've seen uh, obviously a lot of these international retirements. Um, I mean, Brian O'Driscoll was was a big one that went on for a long time. <laughs> uh, and this one's kind of been going on a long time as well. Yeah. I would date it to about 2011. Um, in terms of people going, ah, Robbie, seriously, isn't it maybe time to move on, mm-hmm. concentrate on the club career? Um, but, you know, he he persevered and was still a regular player in the team pretty much up till 2014. You know, it's only kind of at that point that he began to feature more on the bench. I mean, the Scotland game in 2014 was the first one that he was actually dropped for or on the bench when he was available for a competitive match. So, um, I mean, I, I was at his debut in 1997. Already? Yeah, like, just incredible. That's 17, 17 years. Can you remember of, anything about it? Because it was really exciting oh, yeah. when I became as a young player. It was, it was incredible. Was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was uh, the Ireland and Argentina. I mean, it was just before the 90, sorry, it was 98. It wasn't, it wasn't 97. 98, it was 98 because yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. before the World Cup in 98. Uh, and it wasn't actually his debut, it was his home debut. He'd already played against the Czech Republic uh, away. But um, So it was the first time he played at Lansdowne Road. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, Argentina won 2-0. It was goals by Ortega and Barastuda. Uh, but Robbie Keane was just sensational. You know, because no one had, uh, how could I say, everybody... Knew about him, but no one had seen him. <laughs> uh, so, so he. Well, except we had all seen him on TV. Yeah, yeah we'd yeah, all but, seen. I mean, other than that, I mean, we hadn't seen. Hadn't seen that much. We've seen him. Seen rid of him for for Wolves, I suppose, at that stage. But then, you know, he went and he won that European Championship uh, with the under 18s later that season, and later that summer, I should say, uh, he was brilliant. I mean, he was up against like Nestor Sensini, uh, guys like this. He. Uh, just took them on every time he got the ball. I mean, he hadn't seen an Irish player actually do this. Remember, Duff was only kind of coming through at the same time. We had, for a while, two kind of brilliant dribblers. Robbie Keane stopped doing that later in his career, but that was the kind of player he was for the first few years. Like, he was a great, he was a really good dribbler, uh, and he was quick and really exciting to watch. And, yeah, absolutely brilliant. But, I could, could never yeah. have thought he would score 67 international goals. No, and it's a conversation we've had about a hundred times over the years in, in various forms. Uh, we can, I suppose we can, we'll get into this in the football podcast, so I know we're going to talk a lot about Robbie Keane, but the legacy that he leaves as an international footballer and whether or not that's as appreciated as it should be. I think it probably is. I, mean, I think people do appreciate Robbie Keane, don't they? I think uh, if uh, after a while, the, the you know, the, he's the most underrated member of the team. You know, uh, You know, after a while, it gets to a level where it's actually right, fair enough. I think that that person is just I, the right I, level I, of appreciation. I don't know what it means. I don't know. I kind of don't know what it means. How he's supposed to be appreciated? I, he's, you know, he he isn't doesn't get the Brian like Brian O'Driscoll's send off was kind of weird because it was a whole season of this is his final game at such and such. This is yeah. his final game, mm. and it was all. I think Brian O'Driscoll will never play at Rodney Parade. And you could see again. you could see how uncomfortable Brian O'Driscoll started getting with yeah. that after a while. Robbie hasn't had that. But that's also that, that's partly because of the structure of uh, of you know he wasn't going to get that at the Euros. There's too much yeah. going on at that stage, and he, <sighs> you know I mean he, he he does get it now with Oman. He has a nice perfect send off in some ways. One so, moment that sticks in my head from the Euros is the last minute of the Sweden game, and Robbie Keane, if you remember, was on the field at that stage. And the ball went 
Aidan McGeady went down in the middle of the field, apparently with some type of injury. The ball was then with Glenn Whelan on the right side. And I remember seeing um, Shane Long and Robbie Keane make this kind of crisscrossing run where Long ran for a ball down the wing and Robbie Keane kind of peeled into the middle and was unmarked. And all they really needed was a ball. And Glenn Whelan decided to run the ball out of play to waste a bit of time. And, you know, you just think a moment like that, everything could change. You know, it's like uh, he was kind of doing what he had to do, but mm. Glenn Whelan deemed it more important to waste that time and get the point <laughs> rather than rather than go and try and Well, score. we got through. We got through the group in the end, kids. We so did. Glenn Whelan's wisdom is... Was proved correct. Imagine how it could have gone. Yeah, that could have been the first of a Roger Miller style oh, goal that blitz, a good way to end it, goal yeah. frenzy for uh, for the Irish Ronaldo. But I enjoyed the fact that he ended his career losing his place in the team and not moaning about it and yeah. actually contributing quite positively. I know we were saying this as almost as a cliche in advance of the competition that he's good around the dressing room and all this kind of stuff. But there was a few, a few years back. Remember, he made it pretty clear in this slightly snippy line from a press conference that when he's not being picked anymore, well, you know, that's it. He's, he's a starting player and that's that's what he sees himself as. Yeah. But as, as it happened, and as often happens as players get older and do start losing their place in the starting team, he just adapted and still seemed to be pretty positive around the place. And, you know, which is the least you should expect from a really good professional. But it's easier said than done when you've been the main man for goal yeah, scoring. Yeah, and it was something that we had not attributed to him for his entire career, yeah, up to that had point. To. it was so rare yeah. that he had not played. Yeah, and and also just that you know you 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 make assumptions about people and you say, well, Robbie's not going to take too kindly to that. Mm. And in the end, he actually he actually did. Yeah, uh, and it's to his credit. We'll save some Robbie chat for our football podcast today. If you are suffering from an Olympics come down, as I am, uh, well. Don't worry, because we still haven't talked to US Murph about Ryan Lochte. We've talked ourselves about Ryan Lochte, but mm. since the last time we mentioned his name, his sponsors have deserted him. He's had a lifetime ban. From, well, he hasn't had a lifetime ban from swimming, I, I do apologise, but that's on the cards. That's been mooted by uh, the powers Here is the US uh, sports bodies, they don't F around. They don't F around. According to, uh, well, judging by what they did to Hope, Hope Solo. Solo. <laughs> I mean, he, she just said... thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry, I haven't even heard. Yeah, she's banned for six months by US soccer. For calling the Swedish players cowards? Yeah. What? Basically exactly what Ronaldo said about Iceland. Oh my yeah. God. And uh, he's going to win the ball. He's going to win <laughs> the Ballon d'Or. It's just idiotic. Yeah, it's yeah. the most outrageous but, thing I've ever heard. But she's also involved, remember, in a case against the US soccer, isn't she? In disc- discrimination. But they all are, aren't they? Yeah, but, you know... Obviously, Hope Solo is a particularly controversial figure and has she is a con- ha- had her issues, shall we say, off she, the... She's had, she's had a number of pitch. issues, you know, um, domestic violence sort of well, investigations. A- and all a- sort of allegations, stuff. yes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, had, she's had a few things. But I do, I mean, the fact is she's involved in a case against the people who have just banned her. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Lockday himself apologised on Saturday in an interview with Globo in Brazil. I wasn't lying to a certain extent. I over-exaggerated what was happening to me. I've I've read that quote as accurately as it, it is, and that's just the way he speaks. <laughs> that's about as much sense as we're. I gonna, wasn't lying to a certain. <laughs> I wasn't lying to a certain extent. The dumbest bell that ever rang. As uh, uh, someone there. described, we'll talk that. to US Murph <laughs> about about the Ryan Lockday label later on, and Murph rumbling some Kerry this week. I think there's a lot of ex-players there who sound like they're bursting with confidence but trying not to get carried away. I don't know what's going on in the training sessions, but mm. we'll get to Darrow Shea in a minute with O'Shea Paul Galvin, I heard on Colin Parkinson's podcast and Joe Dottie dropping, just dropping in a little comment about the Gooch. 
Gavin does this when he's when he's kind of speaking. He just kind of throws something in there, and he has that knowing. Well, just I think Gooch will have this decisive uh, role to play at the weekend. I just think there's something there. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was yeah. a long, and that was kind of he's it. Got there. a feeling in his waters. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, no, no. You see, it's sort of the implication that I know something that, that Gooch is obviously scoring ten goals a game in training or something like this. But yeah, training, being I'm the, being the, the carry man, once. I'm not going to give you. <laughs> you do. Okay, I'm, I, Paul Gavin's not going to give you everything. Yeah, but he's just going to leave it out there. He'd rather kind of say that as he was walking out the door, you know, and just leave it there. But unfortunately, he can't because you know. It's in the middle of an interview. Should but myself and Ken be concerned as dubs that there are these rumblings going on? Well, I mean, you should, of course. I mean, I, uh, caution is 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 often the watchword, but the fact remains that there's probably an element of uh, Kerry people just presuming that they can't lose mm. four times in a row to Dublin um, it, in the championship. That it, it just can't happen. But I mean, you know, as we're gonna, about to get into it with Ushin, I think they're going to have to get a better reason than that to win this game. Oshin McConville has arrived. Oshin, how are you? Owen, how's form? Oh, well, I'm good, Oshin. I'll tell you why I'm good. Because, why are you good? Well, I'm good because we welcome the return of an old friend today. Our favourite clichéd GAA word. I'm going to give you a couple of hints. It's used to describe the greater motivation of one team in a given match. Often offered up as the only reason the weaker team loses because they didn't have as much... Not hunger. Hunger's back. <laughs> Jesus. Hunger is back. It's back with a bang. Oh, Brian Sheen. I can't sure. believe it took us to the semi-final. <laughs> Brian Sheen, I don't see how they could be hungrier than we are. I think for us that's the key. We should be more hungry than Dublin. It's easier said than done. I'm sure Dublin are going to be hungry. They don't like losing to Kerry. They don't want to be dethroned. They want to go for two in a row. That hasn't been done since we did it in 06 and 07. I imagine they're going to be hungry, but I don't see how they should be hungrier than us. <laughs> I'm, I, there's so many mentions of hunger in those sentences. I'm confused as to who the hungrier team is going to be. There's a lot of hunger floating about, isn't there? A lot, a lot, yeah. What's the game actually going to come down to? Imagine, I actually think imagine, hunger. hunger. <laughs> imagine if we throw Mayo into the mix and start talking yeah. about hunger. They're, they are yeah. yeah, they have to. They would have to be the hungriest yeah, team. They, have, they, have they to need hungry fed. Like a wolf. They really need fed. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, this is a game that we've been looking forward to for some time now and I would love to you know take things to the next level and say this is going to be an absolute all time classic I, I've just got an awful feeling that Kerry are are going to turn into Donegal for the weekend mm. and play ultra defensive football they've morphed into that let's face it they have been morphing into that over the last number of years the one thing I was looking at yesterday was the half-forward line that played in 2009 against the half-forward line that's most likely to play today uh, play on Sunday. And when you consider Murphy, Johnny Buckley possibly, and Donegal Walsh, I'm not sure if that's mm. going to cut that much mustard. But the idea of them going ultra-defensive for this game. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, whatever about people watching it, but in terms of giving them a chance to win the game, far less talented teams than Kerry yeah. have troubled Dublin for periods this year. Well, I'm thinking Westmead probably most recently by doing that, but they just obviously, you're watching going, well, eventually they're going to fall away. Whereas, I know we were saying this before the quarterfinal, but if Dublin, if Kerry are in a situation with Dublin where they can be sticky for 40 minutes and keep it to a really low-scoring score and be able to shout, you, you wouldn't be automatically thinking they can't get it done from here. They have to offer more can than I answer that, Can I answer yeah. that in two parts? Yeah. Right. I think the first the first part that's worth noting, noting is that if if that's where we're at with Kerry against Dublin, 
then we're in, I think we're in trouble. I think we eventually have we have to hold our hands up and say we're in big trouble. Right. Uh, because you'd be holding out hope that Kerry will come with something a little more sophisticated than that. That's the thing I would be hoping. Mm. And m- maybe the fact that that's what, what the vibes that's coming out of, of Kerry from a supporter's point of view, it, m- maybe that means that Eamon Fitzmaurice has wanted that to get out there because there's not a lot gets out of that Kerry camp. No. There's no, like, we, we talked off air about an open training session. Like, that's, you know, that that's a, that's a media thing. Um, but apart from that, like, it's lockdown. And every exit and entrance in Killarney is being manned, you know? So whatever they're coming with, I imagine it should be a little bit more sophisticated than let's get a load of bodies behind the ball and let's play a triangle up front with one centre-half forward and two boys inside. I really hope it's more than that. Because if it's not more than that, then Dublin will... Okay, they'll, they'll ha- Dublin will have to suck it up, and they will do. Dublin, I've told you before, I've told you the last couple of years that Dublin have learned and they've got more stubborn with teams now. Yeah. So if you want to play ugly, we play ugly with you for forty minutes or fifty minutes, and then we blow you away in the last twenty. And if you recall, two, three years ago, when Kerry were right in that game up until like sixty-five, sixty-six mm. minutes. Ended up getting BP eight points. Yeah. Like you left the ground that day, and you went, you went "Jesus, what, what what actually went on there?" You know, and that was just the powerhouse that was Dublin. I, I I'll actually, you know, I actually think that Dublin haven't kicked on as far as people think. I just think everybody else has regressed big time, and I think if that's where Kerry are at right now, and that's what they're coming with. It's, it's, I think it's a sad, sad day for Gaelic football. Yeah, and I, I think as well that they're they're having listened to a few ex Kerry players and you know just generally getting a vibe from Kerry. There is an idea that they're in with a shout this week that they reckon this, but I I don't know what they're basing that. I think they might be basing it on well we can't lose four times in a row. Yeah, well that's that's what Dara Shea's column was all about. Really, yeah. he was he says Kerry will win because they can't be remembered as a team that kept getting knocked on their ass by the Dubs. They just See, can't lose. You know, yeah. they they can't bring themselves to think about losing. And I would say that if you were talking to a lot of ex Kerry players the week before the 2008 All Ireland final, they'd have said, "Well, listen, you know, we're going to beat Tyrone yeah. because Tyrone, like Tyrone don't beat us three times in a row and you know, in big games. So I mean that that's not going to happen. So Kerry, as a result, Kerry will win. Nobody beats uh, Fidesz Carolina seventeen times. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> Murph, it just popped into my head. I know it's your favorite sports line. But I mean, like I, t- I kind of think that they're, they're, as you say, they need to have a better r- reason to win this game than well, we can't lose to Dublin four times in a row in the championship five times in a row in the last four years. I. I was working on one game in particular this year and that was Roscommon and Clare, which was played in Galway, if you can remember yep. that if you can remember that game. And my I based my whole analysis around Roscommon can't be that bad again. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore yeah. they will win this game because they're a division one team. I've watched them play division one football and I think they're actually good enough. They have enough in the locker to be able to but it's it's a very strange thing when you're not playing well, when you're not playing well to try and get out of that. Yeah, I think Kerry would have needed a challenge before this mm. to to maybe get out of that comfort zone that they're in. 
they've had zero preparation to be fair to them you know they've had zero preparation as far as playing somebody who was going to at least put it up to them for 40 or 50 minutes and coming into this game here <laughs> the dubs are I told you like I've, I've been telling people this all year Dublin are a different animal than what they have been over the last number of years and I've already said that I don't think they've kicked on, but I think there's certain aspects of what they have done, their standards. I've mentioned their standards a couple of times this year. That has improved. I think that the players have taken complete ownership of what's going on in the field, and they expect a hell of a lot of each other. I'm, I've played in a, a, a okay, uh, maybe at a, a lower level, on a team that tries... To, the most difficult thing I think in sport is is to is to try and recreate um, what you had the year before um, and the standards that you had the year before and to try and maintain those and to try and go back and win back to back. I've always found that that's, that's really really difficult. And the certain aspects have to change for that to happen along the way, and the certain new players have to come in to push the thing along. But the most important thing is that you don't forget what got you there in the first place. And what has happened Dublin in the past is that they've got to a level and then they've dropped off. They've patted themselves in the back. I honestly think this is a team that doesn't look as if it's doing that right now. And that, that comes down that, a lot of that comes down to the manager and the vibes that the manager sets out. Uh, how ace cold he is and I actually don't know. I don't have a clue if he's like that behind the scenes. Mm. I just don't know the sort of. I don't know what sort of person Jim Gavin is, mm. and we're all guessing about what sort of what's going on behind the scenes. But I know the standards that they've set. You know, to be able to maintain them standards for as long as they have is phenomenal. Kerry have Kerry got a chance at the weekend? I suppose again it goes back to of course Kerry have a chance because they always have a chance because they're Kerry, but. I don't know if that's enough anymore. No, and you, that, I guess that's why there's so, such desperation in the county this week that if they lose to Dublin again, surely then they stop. They start thinking about themselves as a team that just loses to Dublin. That's kind of what yeah. Dara was getting at. And and even actually, say the league final was the sort of game that Dublin could have just thrown Kerry's way. You know yeah. that the the need for Kerry to win that game was so far greater than Dublin's need to win that game, and Dublin just went and won at their ease. Yeah. I think that that was a scary day for for Kerry. And I think maybe it also, it should have told them that if they're going to beat Dublin, if the day comes where they beat Dublin, it's going to be because Kerry were better than them on the day. It's not because Dublin are going to mm. just hand it to them. And I think that, that, like, I think that as maybe the weekend gets closer, I think more Kerry people will, will actually begin to see that and say, right, this is actually, this is not good. This is, you know, th- it's very hard for me to construct an argument here to say that, that Kerry will win this game. I mean... Yeah, you know, I I don't know that the argument exists, other than well, we don't lose Dublin four times in a row. Getting down to the actual game, if I was managing Kerry, which I never will be, but if I was managing Kerry, the one thing I would do is I will get my best three defenders, the best three defenders I have, the most physical three defenders I have, and I will put them in the half back line, and I would I would try and set up. And stop Connolly, Flynn, Kilkenny. I think if you can stop that or quell it to a good enough extent, then you've got a chance to win the game. 
Kerry have set out with Young, Morley and Crowley and it's not physical enough on mm. against those boys. It's not going to cut the mustard. They're not good enough in the air. Um, they're not physical enough. And that's why we probably will see Kerry completely flood that defence. So who, are you talking, who would you be talking about in, in terms of their best defenders to... Didn't think you were going to ask me that. But, uh, <laughs> well, see, that's it. I mean, they, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the one person I definitely would move is I uh, definitely move Griffin. Yeah, yeah. I definitely move Griffin into the into that into the halfback lane. A lot of people think he will pick up Connolly at the weekend. I would play him centre half centre half back and get him maybe to hold that role. And if they want to bring Murphy back in front of him or between him and the on the full back lane, maybe that's a move that that could work okay but again you bring him back Morphy he's very easily brushed off in the tackle mm. and Connolly and, and in particular Flynn have had good success with doing that against Kerry in the last couple of games and probably at the weekend whereas Kilkenny I know he took a lot of plaudits he's taken a lot of plaudits this year and he is a hell of a player but really when Dublin are really dynamic and they're cutting teams open Connolly and Flynn are the two players who are able to do that on a continuous basis. And Flynn probably has been a little bit off his game in the past eighteen months, maybe. But he's had a couple of big ones too when he's when he's needed them. And I imagine that this is a game that Jim Gavin will be putting pressure on him to have him to have a massive one this weekend. But that's where that's where I see the major difference between these two these two teams. And even when they line up and you see the physicality. Of that half four lane yeah. against the physicality of that half back lane, I, and on trade on on test at a top level. Yeah, and it, say if you look at even last Sunday, and you look at a team better, a, a team set up to try and match up with Dublin, Mayo are just a good bit ahead of Kerry Physical. in that respect yeah. in the in a in the physical aspect. I mean, I think that. Um, you know that you kind of have to to take on board all of that, and you have to say, right, well, what do Kerry have to do here? And I did read John Fogarty in the Examiner suggesting that uh, this All Ireland semi final has the potential to be one of the most hateful ever games between Dublin and Kerry. I think Kerry kind of have to have it, it that has way. Has to be, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of hype I like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but look, if we're not going to have football, then let's have plenty of hatefulness. Not a word, yeah. Just hate. <laughs> hate is fine. Is it? I don't. I don't know if that suggestion means. Actually, in that column, I read that column as well. He went on to uh, quote, "Who was it? One of the former Kerry players from earlier on in the earlier on in the year." I'll get it to you now. Kaneja had said in May, uh, was talking about that it has to be something psychotic to beat Dublin. Totally off the charts, bordering the outer edge of acceptability in terms of discipline and everything else. You look at the referee and see. Darrow Shea was pulled up last year on comments about Dermot Connolly. I don't mean targeting individuals. This is Okanaja. Just doing something crazy like Derry did defensively in the league, but with a better team. It's going to take something like that. Okay, so he kind of rose back from... Well, he, by psychotic, he means psychotically defensive as opposed to psychotically dirty. Yeah, well, I think he means also maybe he's touching on psychotically focused on exactly what you have to do and not... We talk about breaking away from, from that defensive system. You know, if you've got a maverick or two. So that's why I expect the likes of Johnny Buckley because he'll conform you ask Johnny Buckley to do something he'll do it Donica Walsh you ask him to do something he'll do it Paul Murphy has been very disciplined in what he's had to do a lot of the time I don't know what he's doing but he's been very very disciplined in the fact that he's been able to get back into into his defence he's got forward a little bit but still that still leaves you with three defenders 
or three forwards against that Dublin defence. Man marking wise. Three amazing forwards, though, potentially. Yeah, three amazing forwards. All Ireland winners. You know, this is the other thing the that we kind of forget about, Kerry, that they, they so, so, some, you know, they've got Colin Cooper, yeah. they've got these guys, they've got Brian and, Sheehan, they've and got options, a lot of... And options off the bench, which is somewhere that, something that other teams don't have. Yeah. You know, they've, they, they have the ability to get four or five points, even in a really tight game, off their bench. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is... And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't convey Ocean's facial expressions here. He's just, he's not buying No, the but the only thing Kerry I will say is that you're right, because they're going to have plenty of yeah. space Okay, so it's going to be probably if if uh, if if Kerry play three men up front, they'll play somebody at centre half forward and two guys inside. Mm-hmm. Whether they play Donaghy inside remains to be seen because you hear a lot of people saying Dublin are, are suspect on the high ball. I, I, personally speaking, I haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them being that suspect under the high ball since since O'Carroll has gone. But uh, if they play two men inside. One man at, at centre half forward. You remember you've got Keane O'Sullivan, who's going to be minding the house there. He's he's a permanent fixture there now. It doesn't matter how many forwards Kerry play, but uh, so that's going to leave a lot of players in the opposite end of the field. Now Dublin three years ago, I would be worried about how they would figure that out. Now I'm not. The movement is better than anybody else's. Hmm. Brogan's movement is better than anybody else's. He might only move. 10 yards over and back across the one sort of area but his movement is spectacular and uh, he's got plenty of help in there you talk about I know you want to talk about Kerry's bench but you look at Dublin's bench and what they have to likelihood is if, if Andrews starts that leaves McMenamin and Mannion that's only two of players who can come on and make a significant difference I think asking for a prediction is superfluous at this stage Oshina, unless you want to give a winning margin uh, I think I, I just I really can't see Dublin being beat this year. I've said that f- yep. for for a long time now. Um, it would take, I think, it would take a plan of epic proportions for Fitzmaurice to come up with something to beat this Dublin team. I think Dublin by again an eight or nine. Okay, uh, I'm sure Kerry supporters would be. <laughs> Delighted to hear that. <laughs> While we have you here dropping bombs, Oshin, uh we have been talking about Robbie Keane, who's retired from yeah. international football. I do vaguely recall a couple of years ago you tried to sneak him onto the good wall on TV of top ten greatest Irish sports people of all time. He's a guy you have a lot of time for. Yeah, no, he's he's been absolutely spectacular and you know, the one thing I have heard this week is that or the last couple of days is that he hasn't got enough credit. You know, yeah, from people that he's never, time, yeah. yeah, he's never sort of been accepted or whatever. But I think if you know your sport, I think people, you know, within the game, seem to know how how good he is. You know, I remember I would go back back as far as I'm saying for Coventry, <laughs> and I remember watching him at Coventry, and you're thinking this guy can't so be exciting. Irish. It was yeah. so you know? exciting, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he had all the tricks and. He's been able to maintain that, and he doesn't look out of place in the MLS. You know what? I don't watch a lot of that, but if if you watch the MLS, like he's still scoring goals, like he's he just is a natural goal scorer, and I think he probably hasn't had the credit he, he deserves. But hopefully, he gets a good ovation now when he when he plays his final game. Jerry will Oshin, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Owen. Sport takes focus. Sport takes commitment. Sport takes dedication. Pretty much how we feel about savings at Rabo Direct. Rabo Direct. The Straight Talking Savings Bank. Ooh, eight or nine points. <laughs> that's that's a bold prediction. Uh, should, should we grab him back in here to, to ask him to 
tone it down. No, I mean, no, no he's, he's gone. He's, he's dropped anyways. the mic he, uh, on a stair and walked out. I mean, James O'Donoghue, Paul Ganey, I was forgetting about all these great forwards when I when I put it to Oshin that they have all these great forwards and then I kind of forgot who they all were yeah. for a second. No, they actually are all great. <laughs> they are all really, really good. But uh, Brian Sheen, I mentioned, I don't know if he's going to start or not, but he's not going to start in goal. That was a rumour that was going around. Kerry. Yeah. He played there as a minor and <laughs> was talk he was gonna presumably for the accuracy of his kickouts, I guess that would be the idea. Yeah. yeah. And also uh I, I saw I saw one article as well basically saying they have to have him on the pitch to take frees, but I don't think they can play him at midfield. And I don't think they can play him at half forward. So I, but I don't really see the point of then putting him in goals just so he can take frees. Yeah. I mean I, I, I think you know you've got to think this through a little Well, yeah. Funny, I, Jim McGuinness's piece this week was really heavy in his praise for the Evan tip goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah, and he was describing how he automatically is kind of one of the top goalkeepers out there. But there wasn't one mention of a save. There wasn't mm. anything to do with the old ideas of goalkeeping. It's just about whether you can yeah. I mean, kick a ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is uh, a couple of counties just put uh, Cavan and Armagh tried it as well. Just picked a midfielder, club midfielder, and just said, right, in you, or a club free taker and just right in you go. There's got to be more to it than that, though, isn't there? Well, the odd save, but I mean, how many saves have you actually seen this year? I mean, David Clark has made a couple of good saves for Mayo over the last couple of years. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Cluxton's winning all these All Stars, and it's not for the brilliance of his saves. Mm. You know, I mean, they're, like they're it, it's sort of you know there's an element of radical thinking required to play a uh, club free taker in goals for your county <laughs> team, <laughs> especially when it's Kerry. So anyway, it's not happening. Yeah, so yeah like, exactly. Unless Oh man It would be bluff. so amazing If Brian Jean came in Came out And played in goals <laughs> Like I don't even know Yeah actually That's not happening So there's no point In talking about it The Murph prediction Oh Dublin by four Ken uh, Dublin To win easily Okay You're with Oshin You're with Oshin Eight or nine points Well I find that That um, You know They've just been In, in, in wrestle form My dubs And no uh, reason to back against them there. Well, I think Kerry's been in decline for a few years now, really. Mm. All Ireland champions two years ago, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, a bit of a dead Listen. cat bounce, though. So, um, <laughs> so I think, I think there's, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, well, I just hope, I just hope they make a game of it this time. Because I, I have heard a lot of grumblings in the local area uh, after these games. Around Croke Park. Uh, yeah, around around Croke Park in the streets of Fairview, mm-hmm. outside Gaffney's. The dubs are there. Blue shirts of all vintages. Mm-hmm. Uh, supping on pints of plain. And Bemoaning the fact that they haven't had a game to watch in a couple of years now. Is that a, yeah. When is someone going to turn up and make an effort? It's what people are saying. Outside Gaffney's. Mm. And around the, the streets there, the Phillipsburg Avenue. Uh, <laughs> all, uh, you know. So I hope that, I hope that Kerry can do it. Yeah, you know, have we had a full house yet in Croke Park this year? Yeah, twice. Yeah. Well, and this is the third one. Well, you know, as, <laughs> a, as I was saying, <laughs> both of which have involved Dublin. So, but I mean, hey, listen, Ken, you know, you 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 know that you look into your own heart, you can see what the you know the plain people of Dublin are thinking. So. Tell us what the plain people of Ireland are going to be hearing in today's Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast, Ken. That's yeah. <laughs> They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. 
So we are going to talk, I guess, a bit more about Robbie Keane. Uh, great international career, finally drawing to a close. And we'll talk also uh, with Johnson Wilson, who has been, well, he's launched a pretty savage attack on Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> well, I, I've, re- I've read it least, all now. It's, it's, a dis- uh, it's a disgraceful <laughs> assault on the man's good character. At least that's what, <laughs> that's what people think, who only read the headline, as he keeps trying to tell them uh, on Twitter. I think he's fighting a losing battle. Who reads anything more than a headline now, anyway? I didn't write the headline... Please read the article. I wrote that part. But uh, so as so often, uh, the headline uh, caused yeah. trouble. It's like Damien Duff said, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to meet a few of those guys who write those headlines. <laughs> Should give them a piece of my mind. It's uh, been a while. Let's chat to US Murph. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. He's out on his feet. Frank Cappuccino's going to let him keep going. Got it! Touchdown! Touchdown, 40! Ah, Brian, it's been a few weeks. I'm very sorry. We haven't forgotten about you. Don't worry. Oh, we, uh, I believe we parted ways for the uh, Olympic Games mm. with the promise to uh, reconnect on the other side with Tales from Rio, and I think we have a few. Oh, yeah. and great to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, great to hear your voice as well. I mean, the, the one, the, the, the outstanding story, surely from a U.S. point of view, has got to be poor old Ryan Lochte. Brian, I see this. I see on Red- Ryan Lochte. <laughs> well, everyone's, oh, look, Michael Moore this week. Michael Moore has written, a lot of people aren't going to like this. I'm sorry, I just don't like to watch people pile on, even if it's on people like Lochte. Says Michael Moore. Well, that's true. I mean, isn't it? There is that. You're right. There's so many layers to this. The pile on layer is definitely one. You're right. And if you start to push back against that, then you're branded a, an idiot, a moron, whatever. But man, the truth of the matter is, Owen, that and nobody wants to hear this now because I think, I think the decision was made within about the first two to three hours after the story first broke that the Rio police contradicted Ryan Lochte's story and claimed that he fabricated the story. I think there was about a two-hour window on Twitter, on Instagram, or whatever, in which everybody stampeded and said, that's it, he's an idiot, he's guilty, he's embarrassed the country, he's insulted Brazil. Then you get into sort of the layers of uh, the American imperialist insulting a developing country, Mm. you know, that whole deal, Yankee go home. You get into the aspect of Ryan Lochte himself, who had been known all along as a bit of an airhead, almost like sort of the Paris Hilton of swimming, in that he had had tried to have a reality show four years ago after the London Games, and his claim to fame was trying to invent a new catchphrase, and that catchphrase was the letter, the word GIA, C-H-E-A-H or J-E-E-A-H, <laughs> and you're just supposed to say it at any point in time, and we're all slapping our foreheads that this guy achieved any amount of fame because... He swam fast, he was handsome, and he liked to say, Gia, after uh, his things. And we were like, this guy is a, this guy is an absolute, you know, he's a product of sort of the reality TV age we live in, whether it's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or The Kardashians or whatever. For him to go and double down 
and embarrass himself. Then, guys, and kind of getting back to my original point, Owen, is that USA Today, of all papers, just did a huge, gosh darn Watergate-level investigative piece that, of course, proved that the truth lied somewhere in between. Somewhere in between the real police saying he fabricated it and everybody saying Lochte was an idiot and Lochte saying he was held up at gunpoint and everybody saying Lochte was an idiot. Turns out there was a lot of gray area, but nobody wants to hear that. And, you know, I think what we... What we've come to the conclusion is that if Lochte had just kept his gosh darn mouth shut from the beginning, none of this would have happened. And I think that's where he deserves the most criticism. Because did he have a gun pointed at him? Yes, he did. Was money demanded from him? Yes, it was. Was it because he urinated on a wall and tore down what appeared to be a dilapidated poster? Yes, it was. So little details left out. Some details confirmed if he had just laid low. I think we got to learn this. And you and I, we all make our living talking for a living. But sometimes you got to keep your mouth shut. And Ryan Lochte did not. And that is why he stands as an embarrassment today. And yet, even though some of the facts are on his side, what you just pointed out, Owen, in your opening statement, is that the pylon makes it irrelevant. The pylon means that his name is now mud and the pylon means that he's lost money in this deal. Speedo and Ralph Lauren and two other endorsers have dropped him. And here we go into the media cycle of 2016. This is what happens. When you say some of the facts are on his side, which facts are on his side, do you think? That he had a gun pointed at him and was asked for money. Yeah, but I suppose uh, that it does seem pretty clear at this stage that uh, you've, you've already outlined the details there. I don't know why I'm repeating what you just said, but uh, that, it wasn't a, a robbery. I mean, it was like, it was. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Let me stop you right there. The USA Today investigation, and here I am in the position of defending Ryan Lochte. <laughs> no, by we, the way. we, we understand where you're coming from here. Right? Yeah. At all, right? But you do have to be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. That in Brazilian law, that if you, if you demand more money than the actual damage was, that that can be construed as a robbery in Brazilian law. And there is dispute as to whether they asked for the proper amount of money for what appeared to be minor damage. They had to overpay for that, which could be construed as a robbery. And let's be honest, anytime you you pee on a wall, which some of your listeners may or may not have done, uh, yeah, we'll pause to let that set in the air right there, uh, and, and you maybe damage a poster, you still don't expect to have a gun pointed at you on the other end. You know, That's not to mention the fact that they were heavily intoxicated and didn't know what they were doing. So to answer your original question, which facts are on his side, that he was held at gunpoint and money was demanded. Mm, yeah, that's uh, the re- you asked. Yeah. yeah, I know you asked why. Uh, or sorry, you made the point that his biggest mistake was in talking about this in the first place. He did this weird interview on the beach, uh, which we t- we've talked about at this stage. But the the one that en- ended with the immortal line, uh, you know, they t- they put a cocked a gun to my head. Told me to get down, and I was like, "Whatever." It was uh, along those lines. So he was asked, "Why did you? Why did you do that interview?" He says, "I don't know why. It was still hours after the incident happened. I was still intoxicated. I was still under the influence. I'm not making any, an excuse. It was my fault." And I won't even bother reading out the rest of his quote, Brian, because it kind of goes into slightly his his thoughts tend to ramble a little bit. Uh, Ryan Lochte, but that's his reasoning for doing that interview. And maybe if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Well, that's exactly true. And somebody says, well, NBC is to blame because they chased him down. Well, he all he had to do was say no. We know any number of sports celebrities in today's day and age that choose the the quiet road of just to top of my head, San Antonio Spurs star Tim Duncan. He's the kind of guy he he retired 
And all he gave us publicly was eventually a conversation at a kitchen table with a buddy of his on some Bahamian website or some Virgin Islands website. Whereas, you know, whether Kobe Bryant or LeBron, you know, Kobe does the farewell tour and makes sure to get fed it everywhere. So there's two different ways to go about these things, you know. And if Ryan Lochte had more Tim Duncan in him, then he would have kept his mouth shut and none of this would have blown up. I read one report, and I'm not – I won't say this is gospel truth, but you guys can maybe help me out and look it up, that the State Department, the U.S. State Department was informed about it the Sunday morning when they got back. And they told Lochte and everybody to keep their mouth sh- shut. And then Lochte promptly went across the street and gave the interview to Billy Bush of NBC or Matt Lauer of NBC, I forget who. So that was almost like shows you how thick the guy is that he would do that after being told to keep his mouth shut. And then did you guys hear the whole story of how the story broke in the first place? Is this his mother? No. The mother on the bus with the Australian presenter? Did you hear that? No, no, sorry. I, I know his mother, um, Ryan Lochte's mother, got involved. Isn't she? She was asked uh, to confirm well, what happened. The original, and I got to credit Richard Deitch of Sports Illustrated, uh, and you guys might want to give him a call. I don't know. He's available in New York, but he traced it to a tweet from an Australian TV sports presenter who had done an interview with uh, the Australian swimmer Mac Horton at some at the Olympic Village, and they were going to take an Uber back. It was a Sunday morning. It was kind of a really early, because of the time change, they had to do it at an odd hour for Australian TV, and they were going to take an Uber back, but the Uber wasn't coming. And so for the first time in the entire experience, he took the uh, shuttle, and he was a little annoyed that he had to take the shuttle, him and his cameraman, and it was early in the morning. And this woman got on the bus, and she was flustered and flummoxed, and they were talking to her. And she said, yes, my son was just robbed at gunpoint. And they were like, really? And she said, and he said, is your son an athlete? And she said, yes, yes. And then eventually she said, my son is Ryan Lochte, right. the swimmer. And that guy tweeted it out on that source alone, which, you know, you teach in journalism school. You better get a few more sources before you report something. But in this day and age, yeah, I don't think Twitter all necessarily. You need is, yeah, no, he went to Twitter. Yeah, the, yeah. the tweet says, "Breaking news: Ryan Lochte was robbed at okay. gunpoint. His mother confirms details to come." That <laughs> was where it all started. That was where it started. Amazing. So the sponsors are going. They're all deserting. You mentioned this: Speedo, Ralph Lauren, uh, who else? A hair removal company. I stand yeah. against hair removal, Brian. As a as a <laughs> It's rather a hairy man. I think it's a, a, a you know, they're just all wrong. And a Japanese mattress maker Airweave as well. So he had quite a varied sort of a portfolio there. Airweave originally said that they'd stand by Lochte, and on Monday they said that they wouldn't renew the endorsement. So that, that's all. I'm trying to think of what long term effect all this is going to have on him. And there's talk of a lifetime ban from swimming. I don't know if you think that's going to happen. But ultimately, I don't know what route Ryan Lochte is trying to go. You, you mentioned the. Uh, reality TV stuff he's doing. He's been on 30 Rock and 90210 and stuff like this. As a sort of a brand, as a as a celebrity in the celebrity-obsessed culture of the USA, do you think that possibly this might not necessarily be the end of Ryan Lochte, that it might ruin his sports career, but actually doesn't not necessarily the bad boy tag sometimes sells, you know? I'm 100% with you. We talked about this on our show, that ultimately in today's ridiculous Marshall McLuhan media society. This might wind up helping his brand in some bizarre way that we eventually could get a reality show out of it, that we could get some sort of lofty. I don't know. Maybe he appears on the bachelor. Maybe he does his contrition tour where he, you know, uh, the <laughs> Ryan Lochte, the new me, you know, or whatever. I mean, yes, there is some way in which this is not bad news for Ryan Lochte because of, Today's media culture. Now, 
I'm not predicting great success for him down the road or that he's going to turn this into and become, you know, I don't know, a candidate for president of the United States one day. But I am saying that I I haven't closed the door on us not hearing from him yet. Now, you talked about his future. There was a chance that he could still swim at the 2020 games because of Anthony Irvin, a U.S. sprinter, won the 50-meter gold at age 35. Now, you know, it depends on how much shape he stays in or whatever condition he stays in. Could he qualify for for another event at the 2020 games that wasn't off the table. And by the way, it's still not off the table. He could be the ultimate comeback story, right? We all love comebacks. Look at Alex freaking Rodriguez. The guy had about six comebacks after admitting he used PEDs all those times. So there is that narrative that comeback stories are heartwarming. Lochte is a little bit of a different case in that he's so thick and he's perceived as so dim witted that most of the public is kind of like rolls their eyes and says, Oh, the Jack guy who made up his, his thing and dyed his hair silver and peed on the wall and tore down a poster, all that silly stuff. I mean, we talk about other bad boys, Johnny Manziel and all these guys we've seen flail around uh, Jamarcus Russell in the NFL guys who screw things up, you know, and not all of them they land on their feet. Lochte in many ways has already kind of maximized his brand, right? I mean, he's, he's the second most decorated swimmer in U S Olympic history ahead of Mark Spitz, believe it or not. He's, you know, made money from Speedo and Ralph Lauren for all these years, that money that swimmers generally don't make. So in some ways and in many ways, he's way ahead of the game. And can he parlay it from here? I wouldn't rule it out, guys. You flagged Simone Biles in in advance, Brian. She delivered. She was brilliant. I think her personality captured people's imagination as well. She was, uh, particularly when the one event she didn't win a gold medal in and she told everyone to chill out. It's not the end of the world that you win a bronze medal, which I quite liked. Uh, on the other end of the scale, we all we all knew about the dream team already, and they got the job done. Kevin Durant, your boy Kevin Durant, uh, doing the business in the final. Do you enjoy you enjoyed the Olympics overall? I did, and and I remember talking to you beforehand, and I was sort of right about Katie Ledecky. I oh, mean, Katie she's Ledecky, unbelievable, yeah, yeah. unbelievable swimmer. And by the way, I, in total fairness, if Katie Ledecky was swimming for another nation, particularly an Eastern European nation. I'm sure Americans would be very suspicious because she is so unbelievably ahead of the competition. Mm. We've been trained in this era of performance enhancing drugs that when something supernatural appears that generally something is suspicious. So I'm actually just blown away. I mean, she, there's almost no way to describe how much better she is than everybody else in the world. But as I predicted, her personality is so mellow. And so low key. And it's kind of what you have to have to be an 800 meter swimmer, which is the ability to turn off your brain and just follow the black line. So she did not achieve sort of Missy Franklin-esque sort of giggling America's sweetheart heights. We always talk about it. I'm sure I can be called sexist for this, but there's always an America's sweetheart that comes out of it. And Simone Biles would have won that competition over Katie Ledecky, even though Ledecky's performances were arguably as good as Biles. Although people in the gymnastics world say Biles is the best ever. And again, so is Ledecky. But guys, it was Michael Phelps, really, when it was all said and done. He was the big winner. And it was, I think people were, just to use one of your words, gobsmacked by how he was able to deliver at this stage in his career. We talked about the DUIs a couple weeks ago, his comeback as the flag bearer, as the guy who became Mr. Team Guy. There were there were moments throughout the uh throughout the the week of swimming where he showed himself to be a real team USA guy. We had this really great little swimmer named Maya Dorado who won a couple of golds and she out touched the Hungarian iron lady in the 200 back. 
And one of the notable things about it was that Michael Phelps was in the, what do they call the waiting room, ready to go swim. And he saw it on a monitor and jumped out of his chair and pumped his fist for Maya Dorado, a female backstroker. And it's like, wow, Michael Phelps has actually reached the point in his career where he's thinking about other people and not just being selfish and thinking about himself. So he came off, he won these Olympics in the American mind as a runaway. Obviously, Usain Bolt, he's not American, but you know, obviously globally, and, and we were all incredibly enthralled by him too. But So Phelps, Simone, Bolt, Ledecky, the dream team, basketball was good, and it was acceptable, and people were happy. They didn't quite capture the magic. You know, it was almost viewed. I enjoyed it, but when I talked to a lot of other sports fans and even some of our callers and listeners and texters and tweeters and all them, they were impressed and, and certainly excited about Kevin Durant, who, by the way, one of the narratives to come out of the Olympics is that maybe he turned from villain back to good guy because remember on the 4th of July when he announced he was joining the Super Team Warriors, he was seen as a, a cop-out, a, he's joining the, if you can't beat him, join him, he's making a bad move, he's ruining the NBA by creating a dynasty, blah, 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 why didn't he stay in Oklahoma City and help the small little Thunder try to win their championship? And so a lot of people branded him with the V word, villain. Well, he, in, in some people's eyes, his performance at the Olympics kind of erased some of that. He's back. He wore USA on his chest. He was the best player on the team in the global stage. So a little bit of redemption for Kevin Durant, but that didn't capture everybody as much as Phelps and Biles. Yeah. So all in all, I thought it was a great Olympics and, and the O'Donovan brothers made it over here. Oh, brilliant. We, we did. We, we did. We were aware and we, and we enjoyed the heck out of the O'Donovan brothers. We're just wondering about your, uh, your IOC officials. Can you throw on a pair of drawers? Can you, throw on, can you throw on some boxer shorts when you answer the door, my man? Come on now. So uh, we were following you guys and also the boxing judging. Sorry about that. Oh, that too. all got over there. Yeah, you, were, you paid attention. To Michael Conlon made it pretty clear that he was, uh, he was somewhat, didn't quite trust the, uh, the judging that was, um, you know, particularly. Let's in his put it bite. this way. His sound, bite, his sound bites were good enough that we wanted to use them on American radio. So yeah. uh, he did the right thing in this viral world. He went viral. Brian, I love it. Uh, what's the Ryan Lochte catchphrase? We can end with that. Chia or Chia or wait. Chia! There's different inflections, see? <laughs> All right, That's well, how you do it. Chia. Look it up on YouTube, guys. Enjoy. Thank- chia to you. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> chia. Murph. chia. It's, it, it sounds like a sliced alone type Italian-American accent saying cheers. Yeah, well, cheers. Uh, think of, think of, think of saying Boston, cheers. Or maybe more of a Boston, Boston yeah. Irish. Yeah. Either, either way, it's pretty weird, though. No, it didn't sound like it took off, although it's still in Brian Murphy's head there. See the Olympic visitors, people leaving the Olympics. There's a wall in the airport in Rio where yeah. you write, oh, thank you so much, Rio, for being great hosts, etc. And yeah. a lot of people were apologizing to the people of Rio. Sorry about Ryan Lochte. Sorry about Ryan Lochte. <laughs> Did you not get a little bit stitched up, though? Well, this is what we've been talking about. I don't, I don't know if he got stitched up. I mean, he did, just, as he said himself, greatly over-exaggerate. I don't know if he's the only one over-exaggerating. I mean, okay, maybe he was the first one to over-exaggerate. Maybe that's the key point. But, you know, all his his corporate sponsors sanctimoniously dropping Ah, him just as he comes to the end of his usefulness. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for moral reasons. You know, that's... I know, and I did bring up, but we did talk about the sponsors there with US Murph. I'm always a bit uneasy when they're held up as the paragons of... Oh, f- finally, we can not believe in it, an athlete because their sponsors. Have, be, you know, yeah, the, 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 standard, the Lance Nike stuff was amazing. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Nike I mean, are with them for long enough. And then Nike uh, suddenly are seen as the people who are the arbiters of what's right and wrong in 
sport, you know. If Lochte was like 25 and had just won six gold medals as opposed to, what is he now, 32, 33, mm-hmm. and obviously is finished at that level, yeah. I, I think then it would be, then you'd be like, wow, this company yeah. really is serious Michael about F- this. Michael Phelps has been done for uh, driving under the influence twice. Yeah. yeah. Twice. And once is only like relatively recently. Yeah, but years. just, you know, he, he's really good. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Marina Hyde has written about this loads in The Guardian as well. This idea that um, the only way to make the IOC and FIFA really, you know, stand up and you know, take notice of all of this is for the sponsors. You know, if the sponsors will just drop them, then, you know, they hit them where it, where it really hurts for mm. these major corporations or for these major sporting organizations. It's like, okay, fine. So we've basically ceded all responsibility for, you know, doing the right thing in sport to massive faceless corporations because, you know, they always have the little guys at heart. Although I think it, it does seem to, that is where it hits them. It, is, it does hit them where it hurts. That's why it's always reported in the way that it is. Because yeah. it is maybe the only thing that the ultimately that that, that can actually affect how a top sports. It is. Thinks. It's effective in in getting uh, sort of changes in behaviour, or it's it's definitely a stick that works to sort of threaten whether individual athletes or sporting bodies. But the point is that it's not it's not a power that's usually wielded for the right reasons. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you might even sometimes get the right outcome, but. Oftentimes, yeah. uh, the thinking behind it hasn't been uh, that ethical. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thanks Thank also you, to JJ, who has stepped in to produce this morning after Simon pulled a pretty lame excuse for not making it into work. Honestly, I mean, if he's going to make an hour, I mean, if he's going to take the, you know, take a day off, the least you can do is put a bit of effort into yeah. his excuse. Maybe. Sorry, lads. My wife has just given birth to our second child. I mean, come on. What is that? I think the key, oh, no. where's the emphasis there? My wife. Has given birth. All well, Simon has done is it managed to not faint in the delivery room. Which, by the way, we're not. We're not, we're not confirmation. I, I, I know how Rafael Benitez felt all those years ago. You know, I'm thinking about. Uh, oh yeah. Simon's future. You know, it was Shab- it was Shabby Alonso that time who pulled the same. Yeah. You know, sort of lame excuse to mm. to get out of a Champions League game, <laughs> and uh, well, his number was up. From that point on, you know, it was yeah. Garrett Barry, so I don't know. We'll His uh, goose was cooked. I think JJ's done a great job today. He's exactly. Superb, yeah. I mean, if if I were Simon listening to this, and I mean, what else would he be doing? He's just lying around, basically. Mm. In, in uh, crystal Trying clear to make himself apparently. look yeah. useful in some way. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get that pillow. No, there are nurses who can do that, Simon, so I don't quite... Pressure's on there. Anyway. Massive congrats to Simon and Lisa, by the way. <laughs> and hello to Libby. I assume Simon has Libby listening to this podcast already. So, uh, yes, our, big our, love to the Hicks. Officially, our, our youngest mm. Irish Times second captains podcast fan. The football pod will be out later today. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.